Seattle, Washington. This is the Coffee Codecast. I'm Kyle Johnson. I'm Mike Sheehan. I got a brand new MacBook. I got it on Friday. So I got the new 15-inch 2018 MacBook Pro. I love it. It's great. I guess we should take a step back first and, and make a little disclaimer here. We're, we're recording currently from my rooftop deck, so you're going to hear a little bit of plane noise. Like a little the, outdoor airplane flying overhead. Yeah, a little traffic, little maybe a little breeze in the microphone. we got the big pop filters on there to help knock it down a little bit, but you're going to have to bear with us on the noise a little bit. Got corn rustling in the background. It's, we're not in Iowa. We're just in Kyle's roof. <laughs> you got, well, well, I'm, yeah, I'm an Iowa boy, so... Half a dozen corn stalks that are probably a good five foot hey and we got we got probably tall. six years of corn coming out of there you can see the silt coming i'm out. very impressed i'm very impressed with the garden setup up here you got the nice shade on top outdoor lighting you got the uh you got the gas heater over here so to kind of set the stage here today in seattle it was a pretty warm day we had what 80 was, maybe 90 it was 90 uh, i don't know what the official high was let's take a look i think it got up to almost 92 today actually it was hot. So we're spending the day here up on the roof instead of in Mike's apartment, which doesn't have any air conditioning or anything like that. Trying to, trying to keep it cool. So with that in mind, we're going to talk Mike's new toy. Second laptop in how many months? Like yeah, six months? I've been on a bit of a hardware binge lately. So I did. Well, I bought the XPS 13. Remember we did a few. It was... I don't know, many episodes ago now, we did the laptop review. And at that time, we were looking at the Dell XPS 13. We were looking at some of the MacBook models that were out at that time. Um, and I don't remember what else. There were maybe the HP Spectre and something else. I remember the Mac was in the, in the running, but it was, it was fairly distant at the time. Well, the big difference was that back in November, the 8th gen CPUs just came out from Intel, but they were not yet on the Mac hardware. Mac hadn't done a refresh in a while. So they had some really old stuff in there. And uh, fast forward a few months, and here we are, and they just came out, what, last probably a week, middle of July. We'll call it middle of July. They came out with a refresh of the MacBook Pros, 13 and 15s, and they all have the new 8th-gen processors. But they're even a leapfrog over what the XPS had, what the Windows PCs had. And these are, remind me again, Coffee Lake? Is that what processor architecture is? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think it's Coffee Lake that... uh, and I don't know what iteration of that it is. This is this particular chip. I don't remember offhand. It's like, I think my my XPS 13 had, it's an 8000 series. Maybe my XPS, I'm going to guess here, is like the 83 something. And this is like an 85 maybe. Something, and something. so you got the Space Gray 15 inch. Yeah. Did a few upgrades. I did not opt for the $7,000 model, <laughs> but I wasn't. But I also didn't get the cheapest one either. So I did upgrade a few things on this one. I did upgrade the the CPU slightly. You know, we had CPU gate a little bit for a week and a half where like those that I nine was getting throttled and there was some throttling issues. So I didn't want to get that since been resolved. But I just don't know if that I don't know if the extra three hundred in processing was worth it for what I'm doing. But I did want to have a little more insurance down the road, so I upgraded the hard drive to the one terabyte. I think that was a four hundred dollar upgrade. The one terabyte NVE, what is it? NVIE SSD. It's like the newer SSD technology. And uh, yeah, what else? Maxed out the RAM. Maxed out the RAM. Thirty-two gig RAM. 
It's a beast. It's a beast. I mean, it's it's a nice machine. My wife has a very similar machine. I don't think it's quite specced up as much. I don't think they boosted any of the, the specs on it. But as far as the machine, it's uh, I think it's pretty much the exact same machine. Touch bar, the whole nine yards. Touch uh, bar is nice too, yeah. <laughs> I'll be curious to get your thoughts on that in about two months down the road it, or something. I can see how it can feel a little gimmicky. The one thing I do like about it, though, the touch bar on the top right now, the power button has an integrated fingerprint touch ID. So that's nice to have to log into the machine. It makes it easy. Christina's complaint hasn't been with logging in. As a matter of fact, I don't even think she realized that there was a touch ID option. Uh, I didn't realize that until you got them until you brought it to show me. But uh, her biggest complaint so far has been there's no simple way to lock it, or it doesn't seem like there is. The key command that she used to use to lock it was actually in the row of keys that the touch bar replaced. So now there's no longer that key command or keystroke command that used to be there. So. That is a frustration for her, and then the escape key, which is an anno- I can already tell you would be an annoyance for me, um, not being there is another one, but just something you got to get used to. Five O, man, we got to get, we got to bail. Five. <laughs> well, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how much of that comes through. See but. if we can get that out of there. Well, I would agree with that complaint because I'm coming over from Windows, and I had the I had a lock button on the keyboard, so I was able just to tap and go. And I couldn't find that on this one, and so I don't see it on touch bar. But then also the keystroke's a little confusing. It's something like command. It's like command control Q or something like that. Yep. And you got to be careful because the two commands, I want to say, like it was, yeah, it was like command control Q was like lock or something. But then like command control W is like shut the machine down. Or something. They're very close to each other. I think it's like Command Shift, because yeah, I've done that. Oh, it's there like, you go. Yeah, it's just a different like different countdown key. starts. <laughs> We're about to self destruct. Yeah, they're a minus. little they're a little too close together. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other biggest complaint that I've seen about it is like I'm looking at my old old school uh, MacBook Pro 15 inch, and and when you look at the arrow keys, for instance, they're laid out in like a grid, kind of as you would expect. You know, there's the up down. And then the left and right, and then there's a space above the left and right. So you're, you know, for kind of like key feel, when you put your finger down there, you kind of can realize where you're at in terms of, you know, which button you're close to or on or, or yep. about to push. Whereas like this one, they're kind of all in a block. So there's like no real way to like feel what button you're going to push aside from like a little bit of an indention ridge that they put in there, but it's awfully small. It's very subtle. Yep. I could see that being confused yep. all the time. Yeah, I would agree with that too. But those are kind of nitpicky details. This one that you got also support or has kind of the new membrane underneath the keyboard, right? Because they had their big keyboard problem where if you got dust particles underneath the keys, they might stick and, and no longer work. Third gen keyboard, and yeah, they don't have really much tactile feedback at all. It is like you described a little mouse button click on, uh, yeah, you know, some maybe the mighty mouse or something. It's very unusual coming from other keyboards, so. That's a change. But overall, I like it so far. I've only had it for the weekend and, and today and, uh, you know, for, for a few days. And so far, it's been great. Getting everything installed on here, I'm really jacked about it. I mean, the main reason why, so I had the XPS. I have it still. But the reason why I switched is that I was getting into that Flutter development. So I'm doing cross-platform you know, cross, uh, platform mobile app development now. I've been doing it for a few months. It's very difficult to do that for iOS on a Windows machine. Well, you can't do it unless you have some trickery to get around that. So I had a virtual machine running for a while, but it was really sluggish and just a poor development experience. So for that reason, I felt like 
if I'm going to get serious about this and I have been, then I need to get a Mac to do it and this would be a better way to go. And so are you expecting now that you're going to develop more in Xcode specifically or do you think it's just mainly for the emulation uh, functionality that you were missing in Windows or, or you still had it but you had it through a VM and it wasn't very performant. So is that the mm-hmm. thing that you're missing or are you expecting more that you're going to be in Xcode more often? Well, I probably will subsequently, but I think it's mainly just for the virtualization. It wasn't working out for me. And so um, I'm in Flutter, if you're not familiar with Flutter, flutter.io, check it out. It's Google's mobile app development framework. It's I'm I'm really bullish on it. I say it's going to beat out React Native hands down in another year's time, two years, like everybody's going to be switching over to this. A lot of people already are, um, but it's still pretty new. It's still in beta, um, but it's very, very good. And the cool thing about it it's it's the dart programming language but you don't have any of this crossover where you have to um you know 80 percent of the way there in in react native and then the other 20 is going to be native you're not doing really anything native at all it's all handled google wrote another layer on top of another abstraction on top of these uh swift kotlin java uh you know you name it like these other platforms they they basically have a wrapper around that and it's all in dart so it's very good. The benefit of having the Mac now, though, is that I can have both emulators open. I had it earlier today. I had an iOS emulator and, uh, uh, you know, a Nexus 5X or Pixel 2 open in the screen, and they both were uh, getting live updates from the uh, debug. Process. Oh, that's really cool. So the Android emulator isn't a problem to run on iOS. Nope. They have the IntelliJ Studio. The Android Studio suite loads on there easily. It was very fast to set up. I spent 30 minutes getting it set up. You got to download your Xcode, download Android Studio. Um, of course, you have to do a couple more steps to get the uh, uh, Apple developer key set up and that sort of thing for the security. But really, it was pretty quick to get up and running. You can even plug in the physical devices, too, as long as they're both set up and secure and you have your tokens configured properly. Then, yeah, you can even just have a USBs. And yeah, and you can just have device. it launch directly on device versus in the emulator. So I'd like to do that too. I'm I'm working on it. I started getting it done with iOS, and uh, not quite there yet. I, I have it. done it on iOS. I've never messed with Android uh, specifically, but I've definitely kind of just built a Hello World app via Xcode and launched it in directly off my onto my phone. You know, and that's pretty cool that it can do that and, and show it's up. The real promise, I think, of Flutter and where it's going. Is that well? That was the idea out of the box. Was that they, we needed a more modern mobile development experience that was more developer friendly. This certainly is. It's really amazing. Out of the gate, you can get a few things installed, run run the template. You know, Flutter Create will give you a new empty project. It's kind of their hello world. This is a through a CLI or something like that. Yeah. Yep. Or if you're using Visual Studio Code, it's already it's part of the extensions. You can download the extension and just do it from the uh, command bar. Okay. So you don't have to do the command line, but but yeah, you get, you open up a shell app, a little hello world, Flutter run. Now it starts up the emulators. Now what I usually do is you, you need to have iPhone simulator running. And then if you don't have the physical devices set up, iPhone simulator and then Android studio, you go in there and set up the, uh, what is it, the AVD or, the, or whatever the image is. You have to go in there to turn on the mobile simulator. But then once the simulators are on Flutter run, it... it compiles everything, deploys it to the devices, and then what uh, it also does, hot reload. So 
That's really cool. You can see it side-by-side, side, Android, iOS. It looks identical, but they also maintain the integrity of each device. So when you're doing certain gestures, it's going to mimic an iOS gesture versus an Android gesture. That's so, really cool. That's powerful. Very powerful stuff. A lot of power out of the box. I, I just found that when I was doing things with React, um, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily hard any harder, but it was just more work. So if I wanted to bring in an icon set, for example, that I would need to import the icon from Font Awesome or whoever, maybe into the Xcode project and import it into Android. Whereas with this, it comes with a lot of things preloaded. You can actually just say icon dot uh, Facebook icon or something. Oh, wow. okay. It's already built in. Yeah. That's excellent. So little deviation from the Mac thing, but that's why I wanted to get it. I thought I'm, I'm tired of just trying to piece it together and I want to have a more integrated development experience. Plus, I'm all the tools that I use on Windows are really most are available now on Mac. I'm um, not doing a ton of native .NET development or classic .NET development now, so more of my projects are going into code. One other thing I'll say about this hardware is that the trackpad is fucking huge. <laughs> you, I remember when you very first showed me and you started to kind of try and type on it, you were struggling a little bit trying to get your hands kind of wide enough to not interact with the touchpad while typing. Yeah, it just isn't natural to me. I'm wondering, am I going to scroll off screen or hit something? But I haven't had that problem yet. Seems to be okay, but I'm not using that the laptop much right now. I'm plugged into a separate keyboard and mouse. Oh right. So have you have you found that it maybe is intelligent enough to kind of know that you're just kind of like laying on the on on it rather than trying to actually interact with it? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I'm putting my hand on it right now and I'm typing and eh, it's kind of working. I don't know. I'll need to do an actual test. But um, yeah, very interesting. So we kind of went through the you know the what and the why. And and that you got a new MacBook, but what do you plan to do with the old Dell XPS? So that's a fairly new machine. It's a pretty beefy machine. That's also a beefy machine, yeah. Because it is another. Uh, well, that that's the other new one. So they're both both machines are eighth uh, gen Intel i seven, uh, but this Mac is a six core. The other one's a four core. I think the other one has still sixteen gig RAM, five twelve solid state drive. Uh, right now, I'm going to keep it. <laughs> and do what? Be a backup. <laughs> That's an expensive backup. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do with it yet. I dropped I dropped it on its corner, and it did damage the aluminum a little bit. And so I need to see if the warranty will cover that replacement. If I can get it in pristine shape, then maybe I'll try to list it and wipe it. Um, the XPS 13, though, this is very cool for... Our Linux friends, uh, they just came out with the new release of Ubuntu for the XPS 13. So I think it's 18.04 now, which is pretty exciting. So I'm tempted to even throw that on there and see oh, what yeah. it is. You've been into the Linux thing lately, so that's not surprising to hear. Yeah, I like it a lot. And I, and that's one other thing going over to Mac is that my comfort level on the command line is pretty good. And so I don't really feel like it's a huge learning curve to come over. All my stuff works really easily. Got the terminal customized. I'm using, I don't know how you say it. It's Zish. Z-S-H. I was using Bash. I'm using Zish. Not familiar. Never heard of yeah. that. Yeah. So there were some people that recommended Zish. Huh. There's some really nice customizations for it. And the command line looks pretty fancy. I customized it a little bit. So it's looking good. Yeah. Sweet. Well, Another thing that I wanted to touch on, since you got a new MacBook, you've kind of been out of the Mac game for a while. 
right? You kind of were, you, you actually introduced me to the Mac way back in our days at Nebraska Medical Center in Omaha uh, and got me kind of into it and interested in it. And then you kind of went away from it for a little while. And now, now that you're back, I thought it might be interesting to talk about, and we've talked about already, kind of some of the apps maybe that are available or that you might use. Um, yeah. So I thought maybe it'd be kind of interesting to kind of go back and forth a little bit and uh, some of the different things that we have installed or that we use day to day. So, absolutely. I mean, one thing I'll say just to kick that off too is that compared to last time, it's been it's been a while. I think the last piece of Mac hardware that I had that wasn't an iPhone was probably one of the MacBook. Was it no Mac Mini or MacBook Air? I had a MacBook Air from like twenty thirteen. Yeah, you had the Mini first, I think, and then the Air came later, I believe. Yeah, that's and right. And the Airs haven't been refreshed in forever, so that tells you how no dated that was. Gave mine away. I was getting frustrated. It was too fucking slow. So, yeah, I remember, though, the interoperability between Windows and Windows software and the Mac has changed a lot. It has. So that's been cool. Like uh, Now I have you know, the Office Suite is on here. I've got Visual Studio, Visual Studio Code, Microsoft Teams. Yep. I think that's the biggest leap and bound. So we obviously work in the Microsoft stack, uh, primarily C Sharp and .NET, and that was something that you pretty much could not do without emulation or, or VM. Virtualization, sorry, that's what I'm looking for. Um, probably even more than a year ago. And that's really turned the corner recently, especially with .NET Core, which is like the kind of open source flavor of .NET, ASP.NET. Um, that runs natively on a Mac, no problems. You don't have to do anything. Um, Visual Studio Visual Studio has been ported to the Mac uh, to some degree. It'll support anything .NET, code rela- or .NET Core related, but not ASP Classic Yep. or ASP.NET, rather. Um, so yeah, they've definitely turned a corner in terms of the, the ability for Microsoft developers to develop on a Mac, which is really, really impressive. And so, yeah, I think that's open to the gate for you to be able to use this as kind of your single machine, both work and personal. Honestly, I haven't used Visual Studio in months. And part of it's just the nature of the projects I'm on. I'm working on some different projects that I can do the whole thing, soup nuts and .NET Core. I can do it using Vue.js on the front end, whatever whatever client you want to use. So that's been really nice for me and kind of untethered me from that Windows ecosystem because I don't have to be on there anymore. And even some of the applications I support, I'll probably do for a refresh and they could be ported over to, to Core yep. without a whole lot of trouble. Sure. I think you guys have done some of that too, haven't you, On your in your uh, work? Um, I'm trying to think. Maybe it was Chad. I can't remember who was doing it, but there was some. I feel like there was some experimentation going on with .NET Core with some of our stuff at work. And I know there's a guide that I I looked into for a little while just on like how to how to port something that's written in ASP.NET to .NET Core, and it it didn't appear to be super difficult to port those. Uh, it was more like kind of a handful of configuration settings and and maybe dealing with a few package dependencies. But beyond that, it didn't seem that hard. But I haven't really taken too much time to try and actually migrate an application. What the We're doing a rewrite project right now, and everything that we rewrite is now going to be in .NET Core. Yeah. Um, so we won't have to be dealing with being stuck in the Windows environment necessarily much longer either. So. And so does that is that applicable to what portion of it? Is this the back end? Uh, yes, the API layer, basically. Oh, API okay. business, data classes, so on and so forth. Great. Okay. Well, that's excellent. Yeah. So I'm excited for that. Um but yeah, so to your point, you know, VS Code is a, is a fantastic 
text editor, and it's even gaining traction outside of the .NET community or the C Sharp community or the Microsoft developers, which is really cool to hear. Like people that write Python or other you know various languages are even adopting it, which is pretty kick-ass coming from like you know Microsoft was a dirty word you know a few years ago. It was, and I so many people now have come around and. Visual Studio Code, if it's not the top, it's it's climbing to the top. It's sprinting to the top of IDEs that are free IDEs out there. Um, it's probably, I'd like to see a list. I don't want to speculate too much, but I've heard a lot of about that, just how it's becoming more and more popular and more people are going to that, even over maybe Sublime or yep. Atom even. Yeah. And that's part of the whole, you know, Microsoft new like open source, you know, uh, platforms. I think that's, you know, in the last, I guess, since Satya showed up, it seems like Microsoft's been embracing, you know, open source and and putting themselves out there more and, and trying to get more developers to use their products. And I think it's working. They're doing a great job. I mean, it might not be super apparent yet, but I think there's definitely momentum, gain, you know, being gained. And I think that's a huge deal for them. It's a huge win to be able to do all those things on a Mac. I think that's the best because you've got the best of both worlds there. You have some of the best software with some of the best hardware. And you can do like it or not, I don't like it a whole lot, on, but you can't do everything on a Windows machine still on Windows hardware is because of Apple and their, their corner on that. Right. So it's really out of necessity if you're developing for cross-platforms and you're developing for Mac OS or, or iOS, you're going to have to have it. So let's talk a few apps here. So you were kind of, when you first started setting this up, you were kind of asking me, Little bits and pieces of, of different various applications that I use day to day. And, you know, aside from the ones that we've kind of already noted, like Visual Studio, Visual Studio Code, um, kind of some of the obvious players that, you know, are kind of chat tools like Teams or Slack. I'm trying to think of some of the big ones would be like, um, I'm using Pro Tools first. That's what we record here with. I use Final Cut Pro. That's a pretty expensive piece of Mac yeah. software. Apple puts that out. Um, that's what I do any kind of video editing in. So I use I use that to do kind of my urine urine review videos that I have done for a while. Urine reviews. I haven't seen those yet. What do you do? Hose somebody down? Get three what? guys in a corner and what? Is it was a bad joke. <laughs> <laughs> Fell flat. I missed it. Urine. Reviews. Oh, urine. Well, I mean, I can. I heard we could we way. could do a lot of those in Pioneer <laughs> Square. Let me tell you. I think I saw a couple of those today. Actually, <laughs> when I was going to get lunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So lot. Uh, yeah, Mac, uh, what'd you call it? Final Cut Pro. Final Cut Pro, if you want to do video video editing uh, specifically. What about Adobe Creative Suite, Creative Cloud? Yes, so I'm a photographer or amateur photographer, I guess you might say. Um, so I do use uh, Adobe Creative Cloud, and I have the, I think it's the Photography Suite or something they call it. Um, gives you access to Lightroom Cloud, Lightroom CC, and Photoshop CC, both of those for, I think it's like 10 or 15 bucks a month, something like that. Not bad. So I do subscribe to that and I have those here. I also use those on many other machines, including my like office PC at, at the office. Cause I think you get something like five installs or something like that included in the cost. Oh, I might have to talk to you after the show. Yeah. So there's, <laughs> you need an extra install, do you? <laughs> well, I'm getting all this software now. Um, yeah, that's great. I, I'm looking to get to that too because. Well, the project I'm working on right now is a little more freeform, so it's uh, not like some of our traditional stuff. I'm working really closely with the designer on this one, and all of his work is done on a Mac. I, he uses Sketch to get a lot of the stuff off the ground. I think that's pretty common for Mac guys. And and that was another 
obstacle in a way was just him getting that over to me. I can't use Sketch selling for a Mac again. Um, great software that doesn't work on Windows. So he was converting some things into CodePen and trying to help me get it that oh, way. Oh, sure. So I mean, we had a, a system working that was okay. It was not a bad workflow, but it was hard for change management. He'd go in and update a ton of shit, and then I wouldn't know what he changed, so I had to go bring everything in. There's probably better ways to handle this, but we're trying to get this done really quickly, and so it was kind of a mess. So I think this is going to be nice that we can both share the same thing and hopefully uh, save some time and not try to duplicate work. I think, yeah, I think that makes sense. And that's a another huge plus for the machine that you just got. I don't know. I'm looking actually now that I am actually looking through what I have on my machine these days. I think I recently did a pretty healthy cleanup just because the drive on this guy is not extraordinarily large. And I tend to bounce against the top limit. Like this is only a 256 gig machine. Okay. So it's pretty small by today's standards. Um, so I, I, I removed a whole lot of software fairly recently aside from kind of a lot of the standard apps. So I use standard the standard mail app. I don't use anything fancy beyond that. Um, I use the standard calendar app or I use Google Calendar, which is web-based, so I don't need anything installed for that. Um, I do use Simple Note, which is kind of my markdown note-taking software that's synced to the cloud. I really, really enjoy that. Um, before that, I used to use IA Writer. Have you ever heard of that? No, I haven't. So that's uh, it's a writing tool. It's a very like it's supposed to be a distraction-free kind of writing tool. So it's very very simple UI. It's strictly just like writing in Markdown, and like oh, there's nice. no other like toolbars or anything. It's like very simplistic. Yeah. And it's supposed to be like for focused writing. So I do use that off and on if I really want to like be writing and not worrying about anything else. Um, I'll say this, jump in really quick. You talked about just some of the Google tools, Google Calendar, and they're already web-based. I think that's what's been really nice about this setup. It's been the fastest setup I've had far ever because it's just been amazing. I can log in. So you told me to stick with Safari. I did it for about four hours, and I needed my Chrome because I had everything in there, all my shortcuts. And sure. But, but it's nice. You log in. I've got all the uh, calendaring and everything that I need in there. So I just like fact that you can log in now and retrieve everything you had postman's a good example I, I i use postman all the time log download log in boom all of my endpoints are there ready to go a yeah, lot of the, uh, the software was that way i think just for clarity the reason i was i was advocating that you use safari or at least try it out is that the that chrome is a is a destroyer of batteries and and on the macbook the if you run safari you probably get Gosh, I don't even know. Twice, maybe three times the battery life that okay. you do if you run Chrome. It's it's a pretty drastic difference. And I use Chrome day to day generally. Like on my Windows machine, I'm using it all the time. I even use it on the MacBook from time to time for the reasons that you mentioned. It's it's all all there and like stuff that I've browsed at work or or on another machine. I I can pull up through there. So I definitely agree with that. I wish there was some sort of syncing mechanism, and there probably is some sort of syncing mechanism that can get your data into Safari specifically. Um, but what I will say is that having used Safari now, both on my iPhone and on my MacBook for a period, probably of now, I don't know, three months, something like that, maybe four. Yep. Uh, I definitely do appreciate it a lot more than I did. I used to kind of just like slough it off and be like, oh, Safari, that's for kind of Mac nerds, whatever. Uh, but I think there is precedence for it being a very loved browser and a, and a very faithfully used browser. It is very, very, very good. 
I like it a lot. I just uh, needed my stuff. I think I should try to sink over because, yeah, you have to use it to a degree because I think now in one of the newer versions of OS X, you can only use the Safari browser for cer certain certain parts in the OS. If there's linking going on in the OS or something like that, it's going to open in Safari by default. Yeah, there are applications that are definitely sticky in that respect. Like, they don't give you the option to select a browser that you want to use. Yeah. Some apps definitely have built that in and, and allow you to select that, which is nice. But, but yeah, it's the same thing as kind of like Microsoft. Every once in a while, you still, like, it'll launch Edge or something stupid. And you're yeah. just like, I don't fucking use Edge. Nobody uses that shit. Yeah, get that shit out of here. I hate Edge. <laughs> it's supposed to be pretty good on the, on the Windows side of things for battery life, too. But, yep. whatever. So that's, I mean, I don't really have any other apps. I thought I had more apps on here, to be honest with you, and I thought it'd be kind of cool to run through them. What other, what else do you have? Anything else that that you that you have on there? That's because most of what I have left is productivity stuff. It's like OBS Studio, which is something we use for podcasting. It's it's the app that we use to record the podcast. You know, it's like all podcasting or, or or audio recording software, like Audacity and right. Yeah, I don't have much yet. I'm still slowly installing some things. I did mention already Postman. I've got on here um, Spotify. Courses cross-platform. I have what else? Um, I'm using iTerm instead of Terminal. Um, okay, I've heard of that. And I really don't know a whole lot of the differences, but I wanted to customize the terminal instead of just the boring whatever it had. I wanted to be able to see my Git repo, my branch, you know, my current branch, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Clear. And so I found a nice tutorial. Quite a few people recommended actually iTerm two, and there's different themes that you can apply to that and bring in. Uh, what do they call those? Um, can't think of the name of the fonts right now, but they have the extra symbols. So you can actually see like branches and check marks and X's and that okay. kind of stuff. Certain symbols that you wouldn't get in a normal true type font. It's more for development or coding. You don't have source tree on there? Uh, no source tree. What is source tree? <laughs> what is source tree? Fuck you. <laughs> I don't have source. I don't use it. This is another, if we had another episode, talk about the big debate between CLI and <laughs> fucking GUI. Um, I don't have source tree. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. The I do like, though, as far as GUIs are concerned, and you've been, you've been behind this effort, and I really do love the process now, is VSTS. It's been huge. It's been great. Visual Studio Team Services. Well, I've got that running now for my new project. It's kind of still in its infancy at work. You got this set up on maybe one or two projects. Is that right? I do. I have that set up. Actually, I mean, at the company now, we have probably something like eight projects set up running VSTS. I think most of the major players are on VSTS, but let's save VSTS as a tease for the next time. Oh, next time. You got to oh. tune back in. <laughs> what I will say, though, that um, we should probably real quick just kind of recap that, you know, we've been we've been away really, you know, for a while. Obviously, that we haven't put out an episode of the Coffee Code cast in a little while, and the Reason for that is we've been kind of working up a new show um, that's still in the works. We're still kind of prepping that and getting it ready for uh, prime time. So that's partially where we've been. And then obviously just the rest of it is our lives getting busy and just not having time to do it and so on and so forth. So, Yeah, I would agree with that. I've had a lot of, you know, more stuff going on. The summer's been busy. We only have three months to be outside on the rooftop. It is it is summer in Seattle, so that is a big part of it. So there there has been a lot going on, more that we can reveal later, but I think it's been good to get back in together, being in the same location doing this with some new equipment. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully the 
Aside from the planes and the and the sirens and so forth, hopefully the audio quality is much much better because we got some pretty pimp mics here that we're using and recording with. So I don't know what kind of cadence this particular show is going to have. I don't think it's going to be on any kind of regular schedule necessarily, but we're going to throw some episodes out there every now and again. So I think the idea too is that sorry to interrupt you there. I think the idea is that it'll maybe it could be more technical, more of a technical deep dive for people who want that. Right on some of these topics, and if you're not interested in iTerm two and you know i seven Intel chips, then this new cast might be more of a broader audience kind of. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think the new 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 uh, the new podcast is going to be something that I think is is kind of a different format, uh, a different way of doing things. Maybe not quite so technical. It might be technical at times, but generally speaking, not technical. And I think we want to keep this show alive mainly just so that we can kind of nerd out and talk tech. We're buying a lot of shit. We need a forum to talk about all these cool yeah, exactly. things. We haven't even talked about the audio equipment. Save that for another episode, too.